This morning, uh, we're actually starting a, a new sermon series uh, for the next three, possibly four, depends upon what happens with number three, uh, series. And the name of this series is going to be called the Abraham Epic, Bless, Live, and Future. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that Bless, Live, Future piece is, but this morning, we're going to be talking about Bless. And I'm really excited because Lest I forget, we're actually supposed to do something at the end of this sermon. So if I don't give a, a, a call to action this morning at the end of my sermon, y'all say, somebody raise their hand and say, Pastor Anthony, um, we're supposed to do something at the end of the sermon. I might get caught up or something and I'm going to totally forget what we're supposed to be doing. So turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 12. And I'll be reading from the, uh, Genesis chapter 12. I'll be reading from chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Say amen when you got it. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Amen. So like I said, so for the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about Abraham's story. But I want to read to you an old Jewish story uh, that is uh, told, is passed down uh, amongst the Jewish faith. And it's a, it's a way to teach the word, a way to teach uh, spiritual truths that's been passed down uh, in the Jewish tradition. Um, it's called the Jewish teaching story. And I thought I could pull up my phone, but I'm not able to. Uh, we have it up, yeah. the Jewish teaching story. Yeah, here we go. I want to read from the screen. Truth, naked and cold, had been turned away from every door in the village. Her nakedness frightened the people. When Parable found her, she was huddled in a corner, shivering and hungry. Taking pity on her, parable gathered her up and took her home. There she dressed truth in a story, warmed her, and sent her out again. Clothed in story, truth knocked again at the villagers' doors and was readily welcomed to the people's house. They invited her to eat at their table and warmed herself by their fire. Truth clothed in story. 
So as we're talking about Abraham, the epic, Abraham epic, we're really talking about what a story is. And for those of you like myself who are waiting for December 18th, everybody knows what happened December 18th? Yes, Star Wars. We hit screens all over the nation, in the world probably. And what you're going to see is people camping out in front of the movie theater. Trust me, this is going to happen. We're going to see people camping out with campfires next to movie theaters, ready to see this movie. Why? Because it is a powerful story, like many other stories. It is an epic story. But this morning, we're going to talk about the Abraham epic, the epic of Abraham's story, the beginning of it. And by epic, I mean a big story about a hero's journey that changes the hero and the world around him or her. It is a big story that changes the hero. And when it changes the hero, the hero is changed and the world around that hero, that main character in the story is changed. And what is a hero? A hero is, I don't think think there's a slide for that, but a hero is, according to uh, one of my favorite scholars on story and myth and journeys and epics, uh, is a scholar named Joseph Campbell. And he said, a hero is a person that is connected to something bigger than themselves. It is a person that gives themselves to something that's bigger than themselves. And so, one of the things that I did, my wife and some of those close to me can tell you that I I get a little... Uh, I, I tend to go overboard when I prepare for my sermon, so uh, I'm not going to put all this up on the board. But one of the things that I did was, and I've done this for a while, but these past couple of weeks I've really been digging into this. I was really curious about what is an epic and what is a hero. So it drove me to research somebody named Joseph Campbell, who I just previously mentioned. Joseph Campbell was a mythologist. And what he did was, he literally, this is like decades ago, he went all over the world, several different continents, several hundreds of cultures, and what he did was, was listen to their stories. Literally like thousands. And so he collected thousands of stories, even wrote a book about it. It's called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And what he learned was, is that all over the planet, that different cultures told similar stories. It's amazing. So he went to Native American culture. He went to Indian culture in India. He went to certain parts of Asia and in China and Southeast Asia. And he went to different parts of Africa and parts of Europe and different parts of America and South America. And even some Northern, uh, our Northern American friends up north like Canada and the Native American, the First Nations people. And he listened to all their stories and captured all these different stories. And what he found out was, was that there was a similar pattern in each story. Now, I don't know if he really says this, but I think part of it is, is that human beings are made in the image of God. And one of the ways that God conveys truth to us and speaks to us or or speaks to the very depths of our heart is through a story. 
And so because we're made in the image of God, we are story listeners. We are story creators. We are story bearers. We, we bear in our bodies and our lives and our memories powerful, sometimes sad, tragic, sometimes triumphant and joyful. We carry stories in us. And so I begin to look like, wow, so Joseph Campbell wrote this stuff like back in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Like, who's talking about this now? And so it led me to people like Pixar, Disney, George Lucas. And so Joseph Campbell had put together this, 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 these basic patterns that we see in every story. And so the, the part of the story that I want to talk to you this morning about is this, about Abraham's epic. It is called the call to adventure. Every story, normally every epic story with a hero starts out with a call to adventure. I remember in the fall of 98, me and my kids, my family, we were living just outside of Seattle, and uh, we packed up our I called the Green Monster at the time. It was a minivan. If anybody knows me, I'm, I have a traumatic, you know, thing about minivans. Like I won't get, I won't, I won't go there. Babe. I won't talk about it. I used to call it the Green Monster. So we packed up the minivan, all our belongings. We were part of a church that had this crazy vision. All of us living in Seattle to plant a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. So literally. About 10 families packed up all their belongings, people sold their houses, left family, left friends, left long-time connections and associations, left their jobs to pack up in their vehicles and drive across country to Charlotte to start a church. i never forget this part of the journey for me because it definitely was a call to adventure. And I shall never forget it because uh, when we left, I'll never... <laughs> When we finally crossed, it took us like eight days to get across country because I was with some, some stragglers, man. They were just, you know, they, they didn't know. They weren't road dogs, right? They would just like drive like four or five hours a day. Can you imagine driving four or five hours a day across the country? Lord have mercy. Man, you're talking about the Odyssey, Abraham, Moses, children of Israel, all those stories wrapped up in one. My God. So I remember when we broke down in Salt Lake City, and I remember by the time I got to St. Louis, I had like $100 in my pocket, wife, three kids, three infant children, no job prospects. The only thing that I had was an apartment waiting for me in Charlotte with just one month rents paid, and I had no job secured. <laughs> That's why jumping out there ain't hard for me. <laughs> right? And Dustin and Hannah, I know they have their own story, and I'm sure all of you have your own stories of risk. But the thing, though, is that I remember when we were leaving Seattle, we were heading down toward Portland to cut across, heading east. And this vision came to me. You know, back then I was, I'm still a little bit like this, but I, was, I had a flair for the spiritually dramatic. And what I did was I opened up my Bible to the, the passage in Joshua when they enter into the promised land. And so I put it on a dash in my minivan right there, opened up right there in the center, and like, I let nobody touch it. It was like my little altar as we were entering into the promised land. But I had this sense that God had called us 
on an adventure. It sounded crazy. It seemed like every couple of hours my, my family would call me, are you okay? Did y'all drink some Kool-Aid? Y'all ain't sacrificing chickens and stuff, are you? What, what, what is going on? That was the beginning of that call for me personally. But we find ourselves in the text. Let's go to the text again. Abraham epic begins with a call to adventure. Notice what happens. Uh, uh, The Lord has said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. God's given a call out to adventure. Now, here's one of the things about uh, this passage is that one, there's a couple things here that I want to share with you this morning. I hope it blesses you. In our culture, we're obsessed with discovering our purpose. People go to conferences. They pay hundreds and thousands of dollars to go discover their purpose. This is part of America, right? We, American culture is about discovery, right? Discover frontier land. Although other people were here before, we, before the Europeans got here, right? I don't know how you discover something when people are already here when you got here, right? But a part of our society, you need to know this as followers of Jesus, the many ways our society shapes us and forms us. So we live in a discovery kind of culture, right? Frontier, exploration. But here's the thing about God in the Bible. See, in the Bible, men and women of God, you don't ever see them like trying to discover their purpose. Abraham is not a seminar. Moses was not at a seminar. Isaiah, Jeremiah were not at a seminar listening to the gurus of the day to say, what is my purpose? In the Bible, it's quite the opposite. It's actually not that we are here to discover your purpose, actually, but in the Bible, what we see in the story of God in Scripture is that purpose discovers us. Mm. So in the Bible, purpose is more revealed than it is discovered. And we don't like that as good Americans because we want to be in control of the situation. Our ego doesn't like that, so I want to discover my purpose. The ego wants to discover the purpose. But when you say something like, no, purpose is revealed, that takes you out the loop. You have no control over when purpose is revealed to you. (laughs) So it, it, it offends the ego, the word of God, when it does this. Purpose is revealed, not discovered. Abraham is minding his own business with his family, the family business. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Abraham is 75 years old at this point. He's an old man. He's ready to go into the twilight of his years. He's lived a full life with his family. And then he says this. So Abraham's uh, epic, Abraham has purpose revealed to him. God speaks to him. God calls to him. God beckons 
to him. Abraham is in the everyday, ordinary world of family. And see, a part of the epic journey of the hero is that there's a call to adventure, but it's a call to adventure in the everyday, mundane existence of your life. It's humdrum. And then God interrupts with, interrupts Abraham. But here's the thing about this. When God calls Abraham and he tells him what's about to go down, what he's calling him to, I want you to notice something about this. He says, man, before he even tells him, verse 2, well, he says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. The first thing he tells Abraham is this, is not, he doesn't tell him this great thing like he's going to be. The first thing he tells him is what? Leave. <clears throat> he says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Not a, a land that you don't even know. A land that you're not even familiar with. I want you to leave the familiar place that you're used to. And I want you to go into an unfamiliar place. So every great epic, every great story begins, not all of them, but many of them uh, uh, begin with a call to adventure for the hero. Even you this morning, God give Abraham a call to adventure. Right now, I, I bet that many of you here this morning have had a call of adventure recently. But here's the thing. Abraham's call to adventure, like many of us, begins with loss. Sometimes to go and adventure with God into uncharted territory, you got to lose something. Mm. Especially when the unfamiliar is beckoning to you. To go to a land you ain't even seen yet. To a place you haven't even seen yet. So great calls to adventure begin with loss. He says, lose, leave your country, leave your people and your father's household. In the ancient world, that was crazy. You didn't leave your family in the ancient world because that's all you had. To leave your family in your home of origin was to court death. And so Abraham is called by God to leave. Now, the thing about Abraham, as opposed to other biblical characters, is this. Uh, and you see this with other biblical characters, even Moses or even Jeremiah. Moses, I can't talk right. God says, I'm going to be, call you be a prophet, deliver my people out of Egypt. And Moses' first thing is, I, I, you know, yeah, I'm not qualified for this. Um, I can't talk right. Jeremiah called to be a prophet to the nation, to pull up, to plant, to preach the word to the nations. Jeremiah says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm too young. Right? So oftentimes in, in epic adventures, and we see this with ourselves, when we feel this calling, we'll talk a little bit more about how that, that oftentimes happens, because I'm not saying that every call of adventure is going to be this booming voice, and God says, leave Jake Alexander and go down to East Spencer. That may happen. 
Leave your home on Arbor Drive and drive down to Gwinnett Quarry. But there's other ways this call to adventure happens. But there's a call to adventure in the ordinary world of your everyday life. But oftentimes, like, this is me, and I'm sure you could probably speak for this yourself, we begin to form excuses. And in the story pattern, what Campbell pointed out was is that oftentimes when the hero is given a call to adventure, there's a refusal of the call. <laughs> and oftentimes the refusal of the call to venture forth in risk and faith is because of our own past story. Especially those of us who experience trauma, abuse, we mean internalize unworthiness, devaluation of our bodies and ourselves. And so when we get told that we're called to be a part of this great thing that's going to change the world and the community around us, we're like, oh, I don't know. I'm not worthy. <laughs> but what is... And about Abraham, and I want to notice, this, this is for the parents in the house tonight. I want you to notice something tonight. <laughs> this is for the parents in the house this morning. I want you to think about this because, man, Abraham didn't refuse the call. He said, okay, God. <laughs> All right. Amen. I don't have it on, on the screen, but I want you to notice Go back to Genesis 12 real quick in your Bible to a couple of verses before that. To verse, chapter 11, verse 27. This is for you parents and your kids and those that you have influence over. You might be a mentor of some kind. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur, the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was a daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no children. Terah took his son Abram his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came up upon Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. There was already in Abraham's life and story a legacy of risk. Abraham had a daddy who already left the familiar to walk into the unknown. So the children of God, those of us that have been blessed to have the responsibility to, to mentor people and to raise children and to have influence in our sphere, we have to leave legacies of adventure and, and, and legacies of risk and risk-taking in a good way, uh, faithfulness to the journey and to the adventure. So for Abraham, when God says, hey, man, I want you to leave. 
to go to a place that you ain't ever seen before. To go to a land to leave your family, to leave your customs, to leave the world as you know it, to everything that you held dear. I want you to leave Abraham. Abraham's like, man, that's all I know. <laughs> okay, God. Here we go. So Abraham already knows how to leave. Look at your own story. Look at your own family of origin. Who were the pioneers in your family? Who were those who dared to take risk of faith in your family, in your lineage, and those who had influence in your life? Remember their lives. Remember their boldness and their bravery and their courage to step into the unfamiliar. Remember them. Because you're entering into a season now, even as a church, we're entering into a season where God is calling us into a powerful and great adventure for the good of our neighborhoods and city. So what is your call to adventure? What is your call to adventure? What is God calling you to? What have you lost recently? If you've lost something recently, that's a clue. <laughs> How many of you feel right now the pain of loss in your life right now? How many feel like you've lost something, that you are leaving something and going into something unknown and unfamiliar and untried and untested, that you're leaving something? You feel like you lost something, that you're losing something. I'm coming by here to tell you this morning that if you feel like you have lost something familiar, God is letting you know that you're about to get called to an adventure. Matter of fact, that just might be the call right now in your life. It's something about losing something that's familiar. Something that's deeply connected to us. I remember my first marriage ended in uh, divorce. And it was tragic, y'all. It was, you know. <laughs> and I remember the pain that I felt. And at the time, I really didn't understand it because all my friends were either married and not had divorces yet because I was in my, my mid-early 30s. And a lot of them were either single or they're in their first marriage or they're just now getting married. So when I went through what I went through, they kept looking at me like, man, I'm sorry for you, man, but, you know, we don't know what that's like. But it's an inexplicable pain, the pain of loss. But what I later found out was sometimes when we experience the pain of loss, when we lose something familiar, what God is secretly doing is making room for more. See, Abraham had to leave the familiar to become a father to nations. His name was Abram, which means father. He had to leave the familiar, to leave the places that he's known, the place that he was connected to, he was emotionally connected to. He had to leave the familiar to become Abraham. There once was a man named Abraham whose name was changed by his big future. 
If you experience loss this morning, whatever it might be, an ending of a relationship, the loss of a job, the loss of respect of others, the loss of some kind of position or prominence or something, if you've lost uh, close friendships, if you've lost something this morning, I'm letting you know that God is setting you up for the change. God is setting you up for, it's almost like a conspiracy. (laughs) Man, sometimes you just feel like the world is ending. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just feel like the world is ending. But I got good news. It is. That world is ending. Mm. You are about to enter into a new world, a new possibility, because with God in the kingdom of God, pain means new possibility. So when you feel you at night, late at night, and you get get an ache right there, just know God, there's possibility coming. There's new future coming. There's a land in the future that's coming. God is bringing something from the future in my present. Something about pain and possibility. It's almost like a conspiracy of some kind. God is making room for something bigger. And sometimes the unfamiliar is bigger. That's why you got to leave some stuff. You got to leave the familiar to make room for the unfamiliar. Because you don't even know what it is yet. So God brings us into this story where Abraham, Abraham has to leave. He has to leave because the promise is so great. He has to leave the familiar because the promise is so big. And it is a divine conspiracy. When you find yourself in the midst of losing something familiar, I want you to know that you are smack dab in the middle of a divine conspiracy. The universe, God, your friends, the promises of God, the Holy Spirit are conspiring not against you, but they're conspiring for you. Your pain. Your pain is a co-conspirator. Hallelujah. Your pain, the feeling of loss, that is a co-conspirator in the divine conspiracy of God to bring you to a greater place of blessing. Thank you, God, for co-conspirators. When they crucified Jesus, The Romans were co-conspirators. They were helping Jesus alone. (laughs) Did you know pain and suffering are co-conspirators in the epic of God in your life? So speak those promises. And we're going to finish up with this little bit right here. Yeah, you lost something. You lost something big in your life. Matter of fact, it tore open your heart, your mind, and your soul. But what it did was the blessing and the gift that it left was a bigger space. (laughs) 
I can look back on my divorce and my betrayal and say, God, I thank you. I can say that back then. <laughs> I can say it now, years later. God, I thank you. Because Tony will tell you when she found me, when our family found me and I found them, when I moved this way, I was done with any of anything related to that. God, church, I was playing the role, playing the part. But then I rediscovered the gift of the pain, the gift of the loss of familiar, of the familiar. And I discovered that God was opening me up to something bigger than I had ever seen or dreamed before. So when God begins to say, hey, George, Tim, Joyce, Krista, Brenda, Emily, Vanessa, Tony, everybody, Peter, everybody in the house, God began to call your name. Even in the midst of pain and loss, know that you have stumbled upon a conspiracy. This just ain't happenstance. But here's the thing, though, right? You know, in our culture and church, you know, in certain movements in the church, we kind of stay right there. God's going to bless you. We did the Abraham blessing. God's going to bless you, right? And, and the thing is, is that that is not even what this text is even about. Why? Because God uses stories to interrupt our lives, to change us, to transform us, to enhance us, to enlarge us. Not for our own selves. But he says this to Abraham. Notice what the promise is. He says, to the land I will show you, verse 2, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And we say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, hallelujah. Yeah, I'm going to be blessed. But then he says this. And I will make your name great. We say, hallelujah, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And moreover, whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So what is God up to in this? What the story does, it prepares you. And this is my hope for this next couple series, uh, uh, sermon series with Abraham. I want you to understand what's going to be happening here. As we go through Abraham's story, God is going to be challenging us to lead the familiar. And I can't tell you what that is. And to step into unfamiliar territory. But here's why. Abraham had to leave familiar territory so that he can become a blessing for others that he had never met yet. So the call to adventure is really an invitation into God's intention. Mm. <clears throat> the call to adventure is an invitation into God's intention for the world around you. That's why you got to leave things. 
certain beliefs about other people that don't look like you or are different from you. And open yourself up to be ready to encounter the other, the one that's, that's distinct from you, that's different from you, culture, habits, ways of thinking about the world, people who have different belief systems. So the call to adventure as a community, as a church, as, as individuals here gathered this morning, I want you to know that God is calling you. He is inviting you to participate in what God wants. And what God wants for this community is to bless this community. Mm. The story of God, once you ingest this, once you meditate on this, when you regurgitate the story of God, it will turn you into a blessing. Mm. Jesus said this, and and Jesus kind of echoing Abraham here, right? He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But the church, oftentimes, we get it twisted. We tell people, when you do X, Y, and Z, and this and this and that, you will be blessed. And we stop there because we're very American, right? We want our stuff. What we're blessed to be a blessing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So the story of God, the epic of God that we see in Abraham, once we think about it, meditate on it, it will transform you into a blessing to others. What is God's intention? It is to bless the nations. It is to bless states. It is to bless counties and local municipalities. It is to bless neighborhoods and blocks and streets. It is to bless families and individuals. It is to be a blessing to others. And that word blessing is the word Hebrew word Barack. Yes, Barack Obama. Uh, that's his national name comes from, actually. Barack means blessing. Right? And the word blessing literally means to kneel before another. Mm. <laughs> to bless in the Hebrew, in the Bible, it literally means to kneel before another and to bow one's head. Now, oftentimes in church, we don't get taught this, but some of you may already know this because all y'all theologians, right? Y'all know this stuff already, inside and out. But in the ancient world, when you kneel before someone, you were submitting to them. And when you bowed your head, you exposed your neck to them. Which was a gesture of saying, I'm here to be for you. However that is, it's a gesture of vulnerability. Now, I know I'm not saying go around kneel to everybody. No, I'm not saying be vulnerable to everybody. Right? That's why you got to know the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> some people you don't need to be vulnerable to. Right? But if you're in tune with the Spirit, you'll know. And if you have a thoughts about it, you know, talk to somebody who do know the Holy Spirit. And hopefully they might be able to help you out there or something. But God's intention to bless, so to live an epic life like Abraham is to become a blessed, a blessing life, a life that blesses others. And this is what we're really 
are called to be and do in this world. Those of us who have been called to adventure at Mission House here, your life is about to be disrupted. Um, you're about to go into unfamiliar territory. Even some of you this joining this has been a call to adventure. Because some of this church, this may be unfamiliar. Like, this is different. And that's cool. I'm glad to be on the adventure with you. Because this is unfamiliar to me too. I ain't never done this before. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I don't have all the answers. But what I do have is this, like many others that are part of this movement, is this. All I know is Jesus has called me to do this. He says, I'm mobilizing an army of love. Those who are gathered and sent for the good, the flourishing, the unfolding, the rebirth of this community. We get to play a part in Jesus' rebirth of this community. We get to be a blessing. That's beyond just charity. Charity's good, but also the call for justice. The call for reconciliation. We get to be a part of that. And trust me, a lot of this, and Dustin will tell you, we're learning as we go. So guess what, y'all? There's, uh, there's an Australian apostle, Australian preacher, theologian, scholar named Michael Frost. And uh, he has a book, well, several books. But he talks about this whole notion of Americans' obsession with community. We live in a culture that people are disconnected and lonely. And they're finding whatever ways they can to be connected, one, to a community and to something that's meaningful, to a story that's bigger than themselves. I remember a couple Sundays ago, I was walking with my daughter, Deborah, and she was helping me take signs down to the road here. And uh, I was feeling, I, you know, I'm going to be honest, I was feeling a little down because nobody was showing up. <laughs> I was like, where's everybody at? <clears throat> I was feeling a little down. And I looked at my daughter. I said, I said, baby, other than the fact I'm your father and you're my daughter, I told you to come this morning. <laughs> Why are you here? And this is what my daughter told me. She said, Dad, I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. with other people. Michael Frost talk about, not community, but this Latin, really cool Latin phrase, communitas. And what that is, is when a group of people come together in a shared adventure, a shared ordeal. Communitas. I want to give you a call to adventure this morning. How many of y'all want to go on an adventure this week together? You, you're like, oh, I guess, you know, I don't know. Well, this, is, this won't require much. You won't have to leave your house, your family, this state or anything like that. I'm not saying that. So, you know, you ain't got to be like me. Although some of you have probably done that already. But it's really simple. What we're going to do this morning and when I close and we give the benediction, Krista, right? Krista is going to be in the back there. 
And what, I'm, what she's going to do is she's going to be handing out these cards. We don't have a picture of it, do we? No. And on these cards, I thought I had one. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. There's a door hanger, y'all. These cards, it says this. I actually got a chance to do it. I did a dry run yesterday, actually. It was pretty cool. Let me tell you what happened about that. Um, these cards say, you've been blessed. Pay it forward. And on the back, it just gives the name and our website. It doesn't have a whole lot of information because uh, we don't want to inundate people with too much information. If they're curious about who blessed them, all they got to do is go to the website. If not, they've just been blessed, right? And so yesterday, I was sitting in uh, Hendrix eating breakfast with a good friend of mine, another pastor in the community, and um, I had these cards. I almost forgot I had these cards, and I saw this couple walk in, and something just drew my gaze to them. It was a young man and his wife, and they had a child. And so, and I said, the Spirit prompted me to say, buy their breakfast. I was like, okay. So I called the waitress over, and I said, hey, I want to buy that family's breakfast across the way there. And she was like, oh, okay, cool. I said, um, she went around and bought the ticket. I said, can you give them this? Don't, you ain't got to tell them who did it, right? It's anonymous. Don't you tell them who did it. I just want you to bless them. And so I saw her, and she walked over, and she says, somebody paid for your breakfast this morning, and they want to leave you this. And this the smile that came on this young couple's face was priceless. It was like, wow. And you start looking around, like trying to figure out who did this. And the person that was with me, my pastor friend was with me, he said, man, I know them. Man, let me go introduce you to them. I was like, no. This is not about me. This is about them being blessed. I'm learning how to be a blessing. I want to be like Abraham. I want to walk into the promise of God. And I want all of us to share in this together, this shared ordeal, this shared adventure this week. And so the funny part was, when I did that, I, you know, I felt kind of good. It felt good, actually, right? Nothing wrong with that, feeling good, right? Forget about shame-based religion and feeling bad all the time about how sinful you are. We get all that. <laughs> it's okay to feel good for doing something for God. It's quite all right. We know God was in the midst of that, directing that. So the waitress comes back over to me. She says, what church do you go to? I said, well, I attend uh, Mission House. We meet at Eisenberg. Can I have one of those cards? I want to do the same thing. I was like, sure. So I gave her the card. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless somebody this week. Real big. And so my pastor friend, love him. I love him. He's like, man, she might come to your church. I was like, brother, I don't even care if she comes to my church or not. What I'm excited about is that she is going to bless somebody else. So I want to challenge you this week as you get a card from Krista in the back as we close out here. Grab some cards and let the Spirit direct you. You bless somebody. It can be anonymous. It can be told however you feel led to do it, right? But let it be from the heart. Let it be a spirit-led thing. And when you bless them, there's somebody say, hey, you've been blessed. Go in peace. Simple as that.
who's with me. Amen.